If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 10. We have been away from Revelation for a little bit. A period of time such that we cannot even escape typos in the bulletin. Actually, this week we're going to be looking at chapter 10, a sermon entitled, A Powerful Messenger and Message. And next week we'll be looking at the two witnesses. We'll look at the witnesses and how they testify to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for this evening, let's turn together to Revelation chapter 10. If you'd please pay attention and give your minds and hearts to the reading of God's inerrant, sufficient, and authoritative Word. Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, You must again prophesy about many peoples and angels and languages and kings. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let's ask for His blessing upon it. Let's pray. Dear Father, we ask this evening that You would teach us from this text, a text that You had Your servant John write down, that we might be comforted, that we might be encouraged, that we might know Your will. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this evening we're looking at a chapter that is a bit of an interlude in the cycles of the book of Revelation. There is a sense in God's providence in which it is good that we have spent a bit of time away from the book of Revelation. We finished one segment of this book, and now we are in an interlude before the final trumpet is about to be sounded. So let me just briefly remind you of the main structure of the book as we have been looking at it. 
The book of Revelation is really divided into two parts. The first 11 chapters deal with the perspective of the church as it is persecuted by the world. We saw that perhaps most clearly in the first three chapters with the seven churches. But we've seen that in other perspectives as well with the seven seals in chapters 4 through 7 and now with the seven trumpets. The second segment of this book is chapters 12 through 22, and that deals with the spiritual reality, the spiritual war that is behind the war here on earth. It is not just that the world is attacking the church. It is not just that those attack you for what you believe, for standing true to the Bible, for holding to the Lord Jesus Christ. No, there is a deeper spiritual reality behind those attacks. It is the attacks that Satan himself seeks to place upon our Lord Jesus. And so, the book of Revelation is a recapitulation, a retelling of this story from many perspectives. And the first three that we have looked at have been the seven churches, the seven seals, and the seven trumpets. But at the same time, as this story of the victory of the Lamb of God is told again and again, it is told with progressively greater detail. More and more is revealed. First, with the churches, the struggle between the people of God and those who rebel against the Lord was seen. And then with the seven seals, we looked from earth up to heaven to look for protection by God. And now as we are with the trumpets, we are now taking the perspective of heaven, looking down to earth, seeing the judgment that God places upon those who disobey Him. And so, before we see this final trumpet, this seventh trumpet, in the same way that there was a pause between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, we have here a pause before the seventh trumpet. And we are introduced here to a messenger. Because after all, that is what the word angel means. When I say angel, many of you think of Someone dressed in all white with big, huge wings on a puffy cloud with a harp as big or bigger than Susanna's. But that's not what an angel is. An angel is a messenger of God. And this is a mighty angel, a strong angel. And it reminds us, the description here reminds us of the description in Revelation chapter 5 where another mighty angel was seen. It's also a reminder of the Old Testament. Remember, the book of Revelation is steeped in the Old Testament. And so when we think of the angel of the Lord, we think of the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel as the prophets brought the message of God. We think of Genesis and Exodus where we hear of the angel of the Lord meeting Abraham and others. The angel of the Lord leading the Exodus. And so one of the things that as we start to think about this chapter that we need to be reminded of is that the book of Revelation is perhaps the greatest encouragement we have to study our Bibles. See, we might think that Revelation is the end and all we need to do is read the end. Maybe some of you are like this. You get a book from the library or you buy a new book, you read the prologue, and then you go to the last chapter just because you have to find out how it's going to end out. And maybe there's times in which you 
say to yourself, well, this is a nonfiction book. So, of course, it won't be a problem if I go to the end. But then, once you've done that, you realize that you really can't get the full force of the end unless you know the whole story, right? And it's amazing how often the people of God think that they can go right to the end of the story. Skip all that the Lord has given to us. Not study it in detail. We've just seen this just in recent weeks. How a man has decided to use a slide rule and a calculator and the book of Revelation to figure out the answer to the mystery of the ages when Jesus will come back. But you see, we can fall prey to the same kind of thing. We may not make so bold a prediction, but in our hearts, we think we know exactly what is going on. But here, the book of Revelation has so many allusions, so many examples from the prophets, from the law, from the gospels, that we really need to study our Bibles. That's an application that I think, as a minister, I can never tire of making. You must study the Scriptures. So as we look at this scripture then, the obvious question is, who is this messenger? Who is this angel? Is it Gabriel? Is it Michael? Is it some unnamed angel or is it someone else? And so we look at the description of this mighty angel. He is one who comes down from heaven wrapped in a cloud. Now, again, our playing harps on a cloud aside, the the image, the vivid image of a, a person coming down wrapped in a cloud should begin to set off bells in your head, lights in front of you. Who comes like one in a cloud? Well, we might start by thinking about other passages in Revelation. And we see here, In Revelation 14, verse 14, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Who's one like a son of man? Well, then perhaps we could think about Matthew 24, verse 30, where our Lord says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. Who is the one who comes in the cloud? But our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the Son of Man. In Daniel chapter 7, He comes down in the cloud. It is a sign of power. Even... Pagan, false religions seek to grasp this concept. The great pagan god Zeus was the one who had the power of the cloud, of the lightning bolt, who rode on a chariot of clouds. You see, stealing from the biblical imagery of the Lord. But it's more than just coming in a cloud. This is one who has a rainbow over his head. It is a rainbow like we saw in Revelation chapter 4, right above the throne of God. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. There is also an allusion to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26. Above the expanse over their head there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. 
And seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist as I saw it was gleaming metal and fire enclosed all around. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And then, of course, there is the more obvious imagery of the angel having a face like the sun, just as we had seen in Revelation chapter 1, reminds us of the transfiguration of our Lord, and He has legs like pillars of fire, much like the feet that were fashioned from bronze with fire. You see, I think this is a description of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? It does help us to go through the various descriptions, the various words that are used, but why is it important to understand here that this angel is Jesus? I think it's because we see verse 2. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. Now, you remember that what is one of the main themes that goes through the book of Revelation is the people of God are under fire. The people of God are persecuted. They are looking for relief. They are looking for protection from God. And this is not dissimilar to the way we live our lives. We live in a nervous day and age, don't we? Do any of you know whether Social Security will be in existence 30 years from now? I don't. Quite frankly, I don't know if America will be in existence 50 years from now. It hasn't been promised to us. What about your job? What about the economy? We just don't know. And you see, here we have again for us the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign king of the universe. I want you to have a mental image in your mind of his feet. This is a complete sovereignty over all of creation, the land and the sea. I want you to picture, as it were, a vivid image of a wrestler or a warrior coming and taking his stand one foot at a time. Solid. Over all he surveys. In charge. Ready. That is the Lord Jesus Christ in our world. He is sovereign over every part of the universe. There is no part of creation, neither land nor sea, over which He does not hold sway. Christ does indeed hold dominion from sea to sea. And we can forget that, can't we? We forget that when we wonder whether Christians will be persecuted. We wonder whether there is any hope for standing for biblical truth in the world. But the reality of the world is that Jesus Christ is in charge. He stands astride the whole earth. And He speaks as a lion, the Lion of Judah. Now, maybe some of you know a bit more about animals than I do. So, I got some help from other writers. But I am told that when a lion roars, it is already committed to the attack. That roar is a sound to strike fear in its enemies. Once it is roaring, it is committed to the attack. It is committed 
to victory. And that's true of the Lion of Judah as well. He is committed to redeeming for himself a people. He is committed to redeeming the universe. There is no decision to be made. Jesus is in charge. That's the messenger. Well, what is the message then that he brings? It's an odd message. It is a lion roaring and what he calls out seven thunders sounded. Now, you should be getting used to the number seven by now. We've seen a lot of sevens. But what are these seven thunders? Unlike the other sevens, John is not permitted to write what is happening. Why is this? Some have speculated that it's because the Lord does not want to give us all of the details of the future, that we might be more dependent upon Him. Some have speculated that it was something so high and above John, like when Paul was taken up into the third heaven, that he, he can't do it. But I think a better explanation is that it is the voice of the Lord as He thunders. Psalm 29 is a wonderful psalm. If you have opportunity to look at it this evening, I would encourage you. But seven times in that psalm, the voice of the Lord roars. And it roars with great effect. It breaks trees. It causes animals to give birth. It affects the seas. You see, this thunder here is the Word of God. It is God speaking His judgment. God speaking His will on the earth. But curiously, it is, it is not set down for us here in Revelation. Why is that? I think the answer to that is in what the angel says in verse 6. He swears by the living God that there would be no more delay, but that when the seventh trumpet sounds, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. You see, there is no further cycle here. There have been seven seals. There have been seven trumpets. There will not be seven thunders. The patience of God with those who have rebelled against Him is ended. He will not put His people through another cycle of sevens. The end is here. The victory is now. That's something else we need to be reminded of, that God's patience has a limit. And we should be glad for that. Because that is when we will receive the consummation of the kingdom. When Jesus came in the first coming, the end was commenced. It was in the coming of our Lord Jesus that judgment became known to the earth. They rejected Jesus. They rejected that judgment. But the beginning of the end was there. The end now is imminent. The first coming guarantees the second coming. And the messenger of God is here to bring judgment. And so we can wait in expectation for the Lord to reveal this mystery. What is this mystery that the angel speaks of? Now, it is not trivia. It is not some sort of secret code or knowledge. The mystery that is about to be revealed, the mystery that has been revealed and will be consummated, is the salvation of God presented in the Gospel. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 16 something very similar to what we see here. He says in verse 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the eternal command of God to bring about the obedience of faith. You see, the end is upon us. This is the final time. These are now the last days. Since the coming of our Lord and Savior, history is winding up. If we think about Daniel and him seeing at the end of his prophecy, seeing the end, we see here that we now see through John not just the end, not just the end of all history, but we see now the beginning of the end. We know the end is near. The end is near because Jesus has come. Do you long for the end? Do you long to see the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, I think sometimes we get caught up so much in the day-to-day that we are more concerned with going from point A to point B, from living our lives without any thought of eternity. When in reality, the only way we can live proper lives of going from point A to point B is in light of eternity. Jesus is coming back, Christian. Praise be to the Lord. Let's pray.